purposes, I'll not have the opportunity to turn to every passage that I have for you, but you have a lot of verses in your outline if you have a bulletin today, and you can follow along and even review it later. This is just a subject that I think is special. It's, 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 uh, it's neat, and it's unusual uh, to me anyway, and I, and I enjoy it. I don't know if anyone else will get a whole lot out of this today, but it's a subject that I love. I enjoy this subject, and it is the Word of God. I love the Word of God. I love everything about the Word of God, and it is the reason why I'm here is because of the Word of God. I would not be here if it was just my own opinions or ideas because I don't have enough things to tell you to, for you to come back even two weeks in a row just of myself. But the Word of God has the answers, and God's Word is very, very special. And uh, I appreciate the pastors and people in my life who helped me to realize and appreciate the very Word of God. In John chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Notice the capital W, the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The Word is is made to appear to be a person and not just an object. In verse 14, it clarifies that because in verse 14 it says, And the Word, capital W, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so after you read verse 14, if you know anything about the Bible, then you should be able to figure out who the Word is. The Word is the Lord Jesus Christ. And even though we celebrate, and I do not believe December 25th is, is most likely probably not his actual birth date, and it really doesn't matter what the date was. But I'm glad we celebrate it. Don't get me wrong. But regardless, Jesus did not begin in Bethlehem on December 25th. Jesus was in the beginning with God, and he was God. And yet he is referred to as the word of God. This is special. We'll not turn there right now, but in Galatians chapter 3, it says concerning Abraham that the scriptures, capital S, the scriptures preached to Abraham. Well, what's interesting about that is when Abraham was walking the earth, there were no written down scriptures. But someone did preach to Abraham. And we know Melchizedek, priest of the most high God, Jesus in the Old Testament preached to Abraham. So when we talk about the word of God, most of the time when I say, this is the word of God, I hold up an object, I hold up a book, scripture. And it is correct to say this is the word of God. But it also is correct to say that Jesus Christ is the word of God. In looking at Greek, and I don't recommend you do that, you'll just get a headache, but uh, when, in looking at Greek, the word for word, that capital W-O-R-D, that word in Greek is logos, L-O-G-O-S, is what it looks like for us. And it is the same root word that we get logic from. So when we say God's logos or God's logic, God's word, God's mind, that's what we have. And what's interesting, when you just take a comparison and you look at Scripture, you realize that Jesus Christ, the Word, is also, the Word is also the Scripture. And so Jesus and the Bible are 
are very much synonymous. The word itself, the word of God, quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It, it's, if, if you just look and, I, and if you have a bulletin, you can see what I put here. I just put these two columns here, real short columns. But Jesus is perfect. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 9 says that he is perfect. Does anyone argue that Jesus is perfect? He, he is perfect. <clears throat> but guess what? Psalm 19 verse 7 says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. I do believe that the word of God is perfect. I don't believe that every version out there is perfect. But I do believe that there, there is a perfect Bible and a perfect word of God. And I believe that God would not tell us <clears throat> so unless it was so. Jesus in 1 John chapter 3 verse 3, he, he is pure, the Bible says. Every man purifies himself as he is pure, Jesus. But also in Psalm 12 verse 6, the word of God is pure. Psalm 19 again in verse 8, the words of the Lord are pure words. The words of the Lord are pure and holy. We can trust, we sang that in Sunday school this morning. In Mark chapter 1 verse 24, Jesus is referred to as holy and he is. But in Romans chapter 2, 1 verse 2, it says that the word of God itself is holy, the holy Bible. In John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the truth. But in Psalm 119, verse 160, the Bible says that the word of God is truth. And that's also true. We just sang, the light of the world is Jesus. John chapter 8, verse 12. But the Bible also says in Psalm 119, verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. See, the, synony- the synonyms are just unending. And, and so we realize that, and, and let's just stop for a minute and think. How would you know about Jesus if it wasn't for the word of God? He is the living word and we carry with us the written word. I hope I can emphasize to you today the great importance of that. Because I do believe there are many ministers and even just Christians in general who do not believe in a perfect word of God who do not believe that we have God's word, we just have the general concepts today. Jesus said in John 6, 48, that he is the bread. Deuteronomy 8, 3, and Jesus repeating this, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. 1 John chapter 1, the word of God, Jesus, is life. And we read in John 1, he is the life of First John chapter 5, it talks about the written word of God being how we gain life and have life. And John six sixty three says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So let me ask you this. Would you even listen to a preacher if he didn't believe in the perfect Jesus? You know, if I stood up today and said, I don't believe Jesus was virgin born. I think he was a good man, but I think he was just a man like everyone else. And uh, if we could know the whole story, he had sin like anyone else. I would hope everybody in here would just walk out the room after you hit me over the head with a songbook and then rock out the room. I really do because that is blasphemy. That's not true. Jesus Christ is perfect. But you know, Proverbs chapter 13 to verse 13 says, 
Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed, but he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. Do you despise the word or do you respect it? Or should I say respect him? Because they're both the same. When I was younger, and I'm not saying this is, this is Bible, but when I was younger, I was taught, I, I, I did go to a Christian school, and somewhere I remember someone saying at one time, they said, when you carry in your books, put the Bible on the top and carry your books in. Now, I, I don't think that's in the Bible, but the concept of that book being higher than all the others. Is that the concept in America today? Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed. We're so far drifted that if you even quote this too much in public, they'll throw a fit. If you do it on some sort of a government property, ah! Listen, once upon a time, this country of ours didn't despise the word. As a matter of fact, they used to have Bible studies in the Capitol in Washington, D.C. There is, I've been there, there is Bible scripture etched in stone in Washington, D.C., all over the place. We are despising the word of God and no wonder we're being destroyed. And it's happening in church. I, I, I believe that there are churches who have gotten away from the word of God. They still have the piano or, or some other musical instrument. They still have a stage or a platform. They still have seats and cushions and they still have people coming and they still have songs and they still have a schedule and, and they have events and, and programs and all kinds of things. And, and, uh, and yet in many cases, the word of God is the one thing they don't seem to have time for. And I'll be honest with you, part of the problem is there are so many versions out there today that nobody even knows which one is saying what. I mean, for instance, in Isaiah 7, 14, there are versions that say a young woman will conceive and bear a son instead of a virgin will conceive and bear a son. I mentioned that before. That's a huge difference. There's a problem there. And, and so there's a, a, a downplay on the word of God itself and, of course, on Christ. Now, who is the original doubter? You go back to Genesis 1, and we don't need to go there right now, but in Genesis chapter 1, that sneaky snake, Lucifer, Satan, he snuck up to Eve and said, Yea, hath God said? I mean, that's the first thing you hear him saying. Why? Because he wants man to doubt what God said. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 33, my Bible says concerning Joseph and Mary, it says, And Joseph and his mother took the child. But in a lot of the more modern English versions, you have, And his father and mother took the child. That's just a, another subtle slide. Joseph was a good man, and he was certainly a good stepfather, but he was not his father. In Galatians 4, verse 4, here's how it reads. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. But in some other popular versions that are out there today it says but when the fullness of time was come God sent forth his son born of a woman what makes the difference there is there's only one human that was ever made of a woman versus born of a woman all of us in here were born of a woman I'm pretty sure of that 
But made of a woman means no man involved. Unusual. Every little subtle detail of change has meaning. And, ha- and let me just say this. I don't appreciate them taking Jesus and repainting him. And I don't appreciate them taking the word of God and repainting it. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Psalm 12, verse 6 and 7. Before we ever had the written word of God, he already existed. But without the written word, how would we know anything about him? Psalm 12, verse 6 and 7. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. God's word is perfect and preserved. Is there any chance of Jesus disappearing and no longer existing? Of course not. Well, if the word of God is the word of... And he said it. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Chapter 12, the very next... Or excuse me, chapter 11, the very previous chapter, it says in verse 3, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Folks, the foundations are being destroyed. I mentioned it before, and I'll mention it again, that I hear Christmas music as I go about in, in shopping or just going to the post office or wherever. I hear Christmas music. I guess you would say Christmas music. But it's Jingle Bells or it's Frosty the Snowman or it's Rudolph, that historical event. Or, or, it's, or, or it's, you know, Santa Baby or dare I start this phrase, all I want for, no, never mind, sorry, I don't mean to get that going, but there's just the constant barrage of human Christmas. And yet it has nothing to do with Jesus. Holiday actually is holy day. But for most people, holy day is not holy day. It's just my day off. Hey, pastor, you don't expect us to go to church. It's a, it's a three-day weekend. Well, whose, birth, whose birthday are we recognizing? I mean, what? it used to be that Christmas and Easter were the only times people did go to church. Now I'm not sure they're going then. Obviously, we have folks visiting relatives out of town. I'm not talking about people that are missing today. I'm just saying that we are not Christian in our holidays. And we've gotten away from the word of God. And somehow church can have time for everything else. And if the preaching is too long or the word of God is discussed too much, it gets boring. Shame on us. Somewhere, someone posted it a week or two ago, some mega church, I think it was in Texas, had a complete sleigh with Santa flying across the stage on a guy wire, waving and and yelling Merry Christmas as he went by. I don't know what that is, but it's not church. Maybe that's what they called it, but that's, look, that is far from what the word of God is about. And let me just stop and say, if you got to keep figuring out ways to entertain the crowd to keep them coming, that says a lot about you and your religion. I, I don't want to be as boring as we can be. But there's something about worshiping him versus 
getting our own self-satisfaction. And the word of God is precious. In fact, Deuteronomy 4.2 says, don't add to it or take away from it. And by the way, there are other Jesuses besides the Jesus of the Bible. And there are a dime a dozen. And today people are imagining their own Jesus. And they're imagining, listen, I don't care what you imagine. This is the final say. This will be opened one day, whether you believe it or not. This will be opened one day, and we will, you will not be judged on your imagination of what Jesus is. As I read the word of God, I imagine, but I have a parameter. I have a guideline, and it's the Bible that keeps my imagination from getting goofy. And even though we're civilized, and we don't worship images like the third world countries do, the word imagination has image in it. Proverbs 30, verse 5 and 6 says it again. Don't add to it or take away from it. And in Revelation 22, last page of the Bible says, don't add to it or take away from it. And I'm passionate about God's word. I'll tell you why. I wouldn't do what I do if I didn't believe it was the word of God. I would not be here. You say, Pastor, don't you like Custer or don't you like us or don't you like? Look, it's not about that. It's just that I can't stand up here and read and teach something that I don't really know for sure is the truth. And there are plenty of churches, and I'm grieved. I'm not saying this in a comparison way, but there are plenty of churches who have lost the concept of the word of God. I know there are some churches where they have a, they'll have a, like a, a, podium or a pulpit here and and then they'll have one over here and 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 they'll read all the announcements or whatever over here and then and then they'll do a bible reading over here and and then they'll do most of the most of the talking is done over here at this one and the bible reading is done over here and someone said why is that and some smart aleck said because what they're saying over here is so far off from what's over here but that's probably true you might have noticed this already, but when you come to this church, there are extra Bibles in the pew racks underneath in case you didn't bring one. Why? Because it's the word of God. And you are not coming here to see some entertainer give a thought. You are here to read and to hear and to heed and to make sure that this guy's reading it from the Bible. It is God's word we need to be as respectful of it as we would say we are of him did you know this in Philippians chapter 2 and this has to do with Christmas Philippians chapter 2 discussing Christ coming Philippians 2 says in verse 5 let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God and again there are versions who have changed that terribly to say the opposite verse 7 but made himself of no reputation this is Christmas he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross he was born to die wherefore 
God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That day is coming. We know that the wise men bowed and worshipped him. We know the shepherds came and bowed and worshipped him. We know that you and I, if if Jesus were to be in our midst, I know I would fall on my face before him. And it says, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. This includes the atheists. There'll come a day when there'll be no more atheists, but it'll be too late for those who do not receive him. But they will all acknowledge him at that judgment day, and they all will have to admit and confess that he is Lord. Unfortunately, he wasn't their Messiah. Had they made him Messiah, had they recognized him as Christ the Messiah, they wouldn't have to be forced to bow. They would willingly. But what's amazing to me is it says at the name of Jesus, verse 10, every knee shall bow. And yet in Psalm 138 and verse 2, it says concerning God, he says, thou hast magnified thy word above thy name. We know that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And yet he has magnified his word above his name. I I just take it seriously about changing it or adding to it or taking away from it. I take it real seriously about not having some Bible in everything that we do. If you pull out a tract from our tract racks, there's the gospel presented in different ways on literature. But what you'll notice is on every piece of that of literature that we have, there is the Bible. Because without the Bible, there's no hope. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It is the word of God. It is the incorruptible seed, the word of God, that needs to be planted. Turn with me, if you will, to Second Timothy chapter number three. Second Timothy chapter three. Paul is warning young Timothy concerning the world and the events that that are taking place in his time. And he's also inspired for us to write this as well. 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 14. Timothy, continue thou, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned of and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach your opinions. No, I'm sorry preach the word he said Timothy these verse 13 evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse verse 14 but you continue in the word you continue in what you have learned and what you have been assured of I don't know what's coming but I don't think it's going to be very good I'm not trying to be a pessimist but it just seems like perilous times have come in fact verse 
one says, this know also in the last days perilous time shall come. So you continue. I have, in my Bible, I have a line drawn from that verse to verse 14. You just continue. The message that everyone in here needs to understand and every young person needs to understand is perilous times will come. What do we do? I like what George said at our hope meeting the other night. He said, it seems like there's always new self-help books being written. And it seems like there's always more because the ones that were written weren't good enough, so they got to write some more. If they just realized the Bible is the answer. That was so good. I said, George, I got to quote you on that. Listen, there's going to come a day when there will be no other answer but the Bible. In in one hand, I kind of look forward to that day because people will finally realize what the answer is, hopefully. And you and I, Christian, we better recognize something, that we're being persuaded to worship and to follow and to get sidetracked by other good things, but not the best thing. I can't say that that people who give gifts or or who do all kinds of wonderful beneficial things or benevolent things for people and 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 do things around this time of year and 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 give lots of charity and whatever I can't say that's evil or wrong or bad but if it's a substitute for what Jesus would have us to do then it really is I can't say that that reading some good story or some good uh, informational thing or even history or whatever, I can't say that that's bad to read some other books, but if it substitutes for the word of God, then it is. And when perilous times shall come, you can be a subscriber to Truth News or Newsmax or Fox or whatever else you can find out there. But I promise you the one thing that will help you the most is the word of God. We are to continue in the word. And here at Mountain View Baptist Church, we don't do everything perfect and we're always looking for better ideas and better ways to do things. However, the one thing we do do is we try to make sure that the children are learning the word of God. In Sunday school, we have a sword drill. What in the world is a sword drill? Well, the Bible calls itself a sword. And so Mr. Adams will get up and he'll read out a a, a passage. John 3.16. And those kids will start scrambling and try to find John 3.16. Whoever's first stands up and reads it. And it's just a contest. And, and it's just a, an opportunity to, to see who's the fastest at finding the scriptures. But I'll never forget what Dominic said. Dominic's in heaven now. But years ago, Dominic was here. And Dominic said, Pastor, these kids can find those verses faster than I can. I've only been saved a few years and I can't figure out where. I don't know where. Jeremiah is. I know it's in there, but I can't. What are we doing it for? We're trying to train them because one day they're going to need this sword. And God put a huge premium and emphasis on the word and the word became flesh. I have to go quickly here. We already read 2 Timothy 3, but it says that it corrects us and instructs us. It's good for correction and instruction, for reproof. Some people say, I don't like going to that church. They always step on my toes. Well, it's not our goal to always step on people's toes. But if the word of God is being preached, probably your toes will get stepped on once in a while. And shame on us if it it never happens. God's word is supposed to do that because nobody here is perfect. Not only that, but it guides us. Psalm 119.11, thy word, and also 105, is a lamp to my feet. 
and a light to my path. The way of reproof or the way of life, the reproofs of instruction are the way of life, Proverbs 6 says. I need God's word preached. That's why we have an evangelist coming in a few weeks to just preach God's word on an extra time slot to just give us an extra dose of the very word of God. Now, I realize it's just the word of God. If, if, if President Trump was coming, everybody would be here. But since it's just the word of God, probably it's not that important. I wonder if anybody would hang a shingle in their business closed, Trump's in town. Or closed, we got Bible at church tonight. It's just the word of God. It's just Jesus. The word of God cuts us. Ephesians 6, 17 says it's a sword. Hebrews 4, 12 says it's a sword. I don't know about you, but I need God to do surgery on me sometimes. I'm thankful that he doesn't just cut us in maliciousness. But like a fine surgeon, he cuts us in ways we need to be cut. I've got cancer that needs cut out. God's word does that. Jeremiah 23, 29 says, Is not the word of God like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? I told you that I love the word of God, and there are times when I'm grumpy and angry and frustrated, and I'm arguing with my wife, and she'll do something awful to me. She will quote from the word of God. It's not fair. I was winning. And she pulls out the hammer. And I can't, I can't resist that. It's my life. And yet that's what we need. We need the hammer to break the rock in pieces. Maybe someone's here today saying, I don't even want to be here. I just showed up because someone asked me to come. But maybe God's word will break your rock in pieces. Not only that, but John 17, 17, Jesus prayed, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The word of God sanctifies us. What does that mean? It sets us apart. It cleans us up. Psalm 119, verse 9, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed to the word of God. There, there, it's, not just, it's not just because that I, I emphasize every day, every day. Not everyone has to have the same schedule, but every day. Well, pastor, I just, I, I'm not a good reader. Just read a portion. Let God just speak to you every day. How do you clean up? How do you stay clean? Not by comparing yourself with Pastor Matt or Mr. Dave or Ron Spear, especially not Ron Spear. That's not how to compare. That's not going to stay clean. No, when you open the word of God, the Bible says in James that it's like a mirror. For instance, there's one place that says in Ephesians, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Oh, if it had said, even as much as Ron does, well, I can do it as much as Ron does, I think. But when it says as much as Jesus, oh, forgive like Jesus? He hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. 
That's just one example of where the word of God, as I open it and read it, I am reminded of it. And, and then there are times where I'm sitting and I'm listening to preaching, not just reading it for myself, but I'm hearing someone else preach it. And it's funny how you can, you can read a passage and not see it, but then someone preaches it to you. It's like, whoa. And that's how we stay clean and stay right before him and stay sanctified. And then back there in Proverbs chapter 13, it says there again in verse 13, Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed, but he that feareth the commandment, that's the idea of respecting the commandment, shall be rewarded. I am not who I am because of me, and I am not that great of a person, but here's what I can tell you. I have been rewarded from the word of God. Just this week, I entered grandpa stage. I now have grandpa title. And granny and I were FaceTiming last night. And I could tell he was impressed with me the most. (laughs) Just by the look in his eye. This morning, there was a picture texted to my wife's phone He's on his way to church. Hadn't been in this world, at least on this side, for seven days, but he's already on his way to church with his parents. I'm thankful for what the Bible has done for my family. I have every reason to believe that the Bible's going to do something great for that little guy's family and his life. The word of God is a rewarding thing. You fear it. You you look at it as, as Jesus himself, as the word of God, and you fear it and you revere it. I promise you it will reward you. Psalm 119 verse 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Knowing God's word helps me to to, to not go crazy. I don't know about you, but we live in a crazy world. That's what I think. We're, everybody's nuts. But what keeps me smiling and it keeps me humming is knowing that the last book said, it's going to get crazy. The last book said, there's going to be someone trying to make a whole global system. And so I read God's word. I say, well, thank you, God. Because I would go crazy like so many people are. If I didn't know, you got it all under control and you wrote about it 2,000 years ago. You got this. Great peace have they which love thy law. Let's say someone was to break into my home this evening and kill my family. You talk about grief and anger and and emotion and yet I know where my family would be if they died today and this book is the reason why I know that and their adherence to this book is where I why I know where they'd be see the Bible is my reward there have been people who have been burned at the stake for this book 
for translating it into English 500 years ago. But it's worth it. Job said it this way in Job 23. I esteem the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Jesus said man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word. 1 Peter 2 says that we should desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. It's the only verse in the Bible that has the word success in it. And that verse says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Remember, they didn't have the advantage of printing presses back then. A lot of times they just memorized the Bible. They were required to memorize portions of scripture. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Also in Sunday school, we sing Bible verses. At Vacation Bible School, we sing the Bible. We sing the Bible so that if you just attend children's ministry or vacation Bible school, you have plenty of Bible memorized in song. Mr. Dave loves... They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. That's a Bible verse. And you know something? I'll bet there's been at least one or two days that Dave Williams needed to wait upon the Lord so he could renew his strength. And Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do all things according to that are written in this book. And then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. In the eyes of the world, I, I don't think I'm a success. But I wouldn't trade life with many people who say they are. Because I know what good success is. I see it, I'm thankful for it. And before I pray and we leave this building today, let me ask you, do you know him? Do you know Christ as your savior? Do Do you know if you were to die, you would be in heaven? Or is that just kind of a hope or something you just don't want to talk about? The Bible, the Bible has the answer to eternity. The Bible is the seed that needs to be planted in your heart that will sprout and grow. God's word has the answer. The Bible tells us how we can know for sure we're on our way to heaven, how we can know the Savior personally and be adopted into God's family. It is through the word of God that we know him. If you don't know him, I would love to open up his word and show you how you can know him. And that invitation stands always and especially now. Let's bow our heads for a moment and I'm going to pray. But since I just gave that invitation, would there be anyone that would wave at me or just stare at me and say, Pastor, that's me. I I need to talk to you. I want to talk to you about salvation. Would anyone look at me and say, that's me, Pastor? Would anyone just wave at me and say, that's me, Pastor?